man comes, will he find faith on earth? That's a haunting question. but why as a church do we exist on 10045 Bunker Hill Road, Waldorf, Maryland, 20603? And that's what I want to talk to you about tonight, or today, is why we are even here. Why are we in this building? Why do we exist as a church? Why do we do the things that we do? Does anyone care? We care. Um, Many of us are, are very active in our church. But someone put it to me once this way, does it matter to anyone else that First Baptist Church of Waldorf exists? And that's a good question. If all of a sudden things were to close up and we're gone, would the community of Waldorf miss us? Or could we just be transplanted in any community anywhere in the United States? What makes us special at First Baptist Church of Waldorf? Why do we do the things that we do? Why do we uh, do the ministries that we do? Hopefully make an impact in Waldorf and Maryland and the United States and the world. But what do we, why are we even here? And that's what I want us to focus on, um, not only today, but the rest of my time uh, this summer with you guys. And, and we're, I'm gonna break it down and tell you what, where I'm heading in a minute. But what kind of an impact for God can we have on Waldorf and on even within ourselves? How can we continue to grow as a church, to minister to one another, to love on each other? And we have a purpose statement that you hear Pastor Wayne share quite a bit. And it goes like this. The purpose of First Baptist Church of Waldorf is to lead all to praise the glory of God's grace in Christ Jesus. And you will hear him say that all the time. And then if you go to our website, because that's where I went to say, okay, how, how am I going to break all of this down over the next few weeks? So I went to our website, www.fbcwaldorf.org, if you haven't been on there recently. Um, there's a video with me on it, I think, a bunch of sermons. Um, but if you click on the About Us tab, there's a breakdown of four different areas of our church and why we exist as First Baptist Church of Waldorf. And I want us to go over that. So if you, on the website, the first purpose of First Baptist Church of Waldorf is worship and prayer. And looking under those points, it says to provide meaningful worship for all ages, to offer opportunities for corporate and private prayer, to encourage one another in the stewardship of all that we have received from God. So worship will be our first purpose as a church. And then the next purpose is nurture. And I've added the word fellowship. Throughout my time, I'll probably use fellowship more than nurture, but nurture is a very cool picture. Um, you nurture a young, a newborn. Um, you nurture someone who is sick. It's a very cool picture of going above and beyond for someone that is in need. And, and I'm going to call that fellowship. It's how we treat each other within the church. 
And under that is to build a caring and sharing fellowship and to apply God's truth to our everyday life. Then the third one is teaching and preaching. And I've added to that discipleship. Um, and discipleship is in the subpoint of to teach and proclaim the Bible as God's word, to train and equip disciples for Christ. So we have an aspect of discipleship that we continue to grow in the things of God, in scripture, in fellowship with one another. And then evangelism, to provide every person the opportunity to hear, understand, and respond to the gospel of, of Christ, to offer training and opportunities for personal witness, to support and encourage missions. So four aspects that we have put out to the world, that that's what we're all about. So I want us to take time. Today we're going to be talking about worship specifically. Um, and a very cool passage that is in the second chapter of Acts covers all four of these purposes. And go back and get your pens out, and I'll give you some notes to put on inside your Bible. But Acts 2.42 says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And I put discipleship right there. So there is one of our purposes, that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Now there's worship. So two of our purposes are already in the first verse. To the breaking of bread and prayer, the prayers is worship. And then we have the apostles' teaching for discipleship. And then 43, and awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And now verse 45, get ready to write fellowship next to 45. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And so there's fellowship. And then verse 46, and day by day attending the temple together... Now, there's worship again. Um, always something important when things are repeated twice. Um, and so we're going to really focus on worship today. And breaking bread in their homes, they receive their food with glad and generous hearts. And breaking bread is in reference to the Lord's Supper. And, it, and you wonder why they didn't do it in the temple. And a lot, the temple was this a huge, a huge capacity of people. Um, there was not room in the intimacy that the Lord's Supper requires, like we talked about last week, for them to have um, a time for breaking the bread together. And so what they would do is leave the temple and go to different home groups and break bread together in a, in a smaller, intimate setting. And then verse 47, praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. And this is evangelism. So here's a picture of the beginning of the church and what we can go to Scripture and see how we are doing as First Baptist Church of Waldorf. And I think we're going to be pretty encouraged. Um, so today, like I said, we're, we're dealing with worship. And out of these, all these purposes, without worship, everything else is null and void. There is nothing, it's not worth doing evangelism because, well, we haven't really pursued this relationship with God. What are we going to share to others about? You're not going to have the fellowship and nurturing without Christ. And you're not going to, what are you going to teach and preach if you haven't first showed love to Jesus and 
accepted him as your Lord and Savior. So worship is very important. And looking through this passage, it was mentioned those two times in 42 and 46. And as I built this series together and, and grabbed the outline from the website, I was very excited because I love this church. I dearly love this church. I hope you love this church. Um, there is so much amazing things that God has allowed us to be a part of. And this church is pretty cool. And I'm very glad to not only be a part of it, to be, but to be even in a leadership position um, with all of you guys. And I love the church. Hopefully you love the church. And most important is that Christ loved the church. Ephesians 5, 25 to 27 says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, and so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. So what truly is worship? It's giving worth to something. And obviously here at First Baptist Church, it's expressing love to God, that we desperately and and adoringly love God and, and what Christ has done for us. And that whole relationship is amazing. And for us to come, and we've already had a touch of that this morning um, with the amazing worship, it is out of our love for God that that comes. Um, not just because we all might be great singers, whether you think that you are or not. But it is expressing love to God. And Matthew 4.10 says, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. And in John 3, But the hour is coming, and is now here, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. It doesn't matter what style of music that we do. It doesn't matter how amazing our choir is. It doesn't matter how beautiful the sanctuary is. It doesn't matter what translation, the scripture that we use, by the way, ESV this morning, if you haven't picked up. It, none of that matters. It doesn't matter if you're the biggest church in town or the smallest church in town. It doesn't matter what is going on at your church if you are not worshiping in spirit and in truth. Because then that is a true reason for us to worship. One of the coolest experiences I had was being in Mexico uh, on a mission trip. And we went to, I wouldn't even call it a village. It was more, um, it, was, it was lower than what a village would be. These people lived in homes that were built by old garage doors. Uh, all the electricity that they had was siphoned off from a couple of random um, electrical poles. And then the wires ran across the mud and dirt roads into their homes. Um, and the mud, there was no irrigation, there was no plumbing. Um, it was dirt roads and you, not even really a grid of like what you would see in a city. But we had an opportunity to go to worship with them on Sunday morning. And can I say the pureness of their worship, because they had no distractions, they had no... Um, no stuff, if you will, to get in the way. It was a pure, amazing time of worship because they truly, in the depths of their heart, loved Jesus Christ and loved God the Father. And you could see that in their worship. I couldn't understand a word that they said. 
But can I tell you, I worshiped big time that morning. So it, it matters only in spirit and in truth. It matters only in the depths of your heart of how much you truly love God that you're giving back to him in our time of worship. And there are so many ways that we worship and, and throughout, we've already experienced a bunch of them. The singing, like I said, um, our worship team, the choir is always an amazing uh, time. They work very hard on the music. The praise band uh, works hard. And as they lead us, it's an amazing time. But can I say, I need to brag on you guys for a minute. Um, when the entire praise team, all of our leadership, <coughs> except for a couple of guys, went away for a conference and were gone for a Sunday, I thought, oh no, these, the congregation's not going to sing that good. But I tell you, it was awesome. You guys did really good. And to hear even from the front row, it was, it's a beautiful thing. Um, singing is such an important part of what we do as a church. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns, in spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. And then prayer. We have a, a couple, two or three prayers that happen throughout um, the worship service, and they're planned, they're intentional. But how do you not go to the Lord in prayer as we enter into our time of worship? It is vital to what we do during our service. Psalm 95, 6. O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. We've got to be in constant communication as we worship. And then giving, our time of offering. Do you know how precious of a time it is to worship during our giving? That truly our gifts, just like our worship, come from our heart. Don't give if you're feeling obligated to. Don't get the calculator out and figure out the 10%. Give because you want to. Um, and it truly is a gift of God, an offering to give um, during our time of worship. 1 Corinthians 16 says, Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I directed the churches of Galatia, so you also are to do. On the first day of every week, each of you is to put something aside and store it up as he may prosper. And then here's an interesting one that I came across that I almost pulled out, but then the more I thought about it, I felt very convicted. And that is meditating. When is the last time that you actually had a time of quiet meditation before the Lord during worship? You're thinking, it's too loud. The music's loud. Everyone's singing too loud. But there is a couple of times. There are people that, that I know that come early to worship and just sit and are quiet. And then the offertory um, is always a great time as we're passing the plate to just quietly shut everything else out and have a one-on-one -on -one with God and truly meditate on his love, on his word, on his promises in your life, an amazing time of worship. Habakkuk 2.20 says, But the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before him to truly just stop and be still. And then commitment. There's an amazing tower, hour that we have right now but it's got to go beyond these walls. It's got to go into everything that we do. It's got to ooze into your life, this worship that we have, this love and adoration that we have for God. And that's commitment. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, 
that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. It's got to be in everything that we do as we leave this place. It's a commitment to God that everyone else can see around you. That is an amazing time of worship, that it's not just the hour on Sunday, maybe Sunday school if you make it. It's in everything that you do, your job, your family, your friends, wherever you go should be a time that people see your relationship with Christ. And then hearing the word, in John 17, 17, says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. And a lot of times, if you've been a Christian for a long time, you realize, you know what, I've heard that passage before. And, you know, I've heard it like 20,000 times. I don't think I need to hear it again. But the word of God is living and breathing um, and very much a part and, and very much alive in God speaking to us in our hearts. By the way, that was in John 17, 17, if you look that up. I'll get that later. And then two more is baptism and Lord's Supper. Two amazing times that we have to proclaim the glory of Christ in our life as we're baptized as new believers, um, proclaiming the love that, that Christ has shown to us and that we have in turn said, I accept you as my Lord and Savior. And then Lord's Supper, like we talked about last week, how precious that meal is to share together and that we get to worship Almighty God and, and thank Jesus Christ for his sacrifice on the cross and as he rose again. So, so many elements of, of our worship that we have that are so important. And when we worship together, there is joy. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. When we worship together, there is hope. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. And when we worship together, there is an application. There's something more than just worshiping and enjoying this time. There's something that we can apply to our lives. Ephesians 4:11 says, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. I mean, we're, giving, we're given a responsibility. There's ministry to do. There's so much that we do as a church. And I'm proud of us as we minister together, but how much ministry also are we giving to our community? and making an impact in our, not only Waldorf, but in wherever you work, are we making an impact because of the love that we have for God? And when we worship together, together is a key, key phrase. There are just some things that are a lot better in a crowd. Would you not agree? Um, a sporting event. Could you imagine being the only person at a Redskins game? I mean, the only in the entire stadium, okay? It'd be weird to do the wave. I don't know how, unless you got that cool, I'm not even gonna try. <laughs> but imagine, that, that is not fun. You want to be there cheering your team on with the other thousands of, of fans um, rooting for your team. It'd be a little awkward trying to yell across, now I might, I've got a good loud voice, but you know, your team's gonna get discouraged. Um, another one is a movie. Have you ever shown up to a movie theater excited about the movie you're about to see? Of course, it's been out for a few weeks. You're the only one in the theater. 
okay? Not so much fun, okay? You don't have to worry about the noise of other people, but it's a lot more fun when you've got a crowd at the movies, especially a comedy when everyone's laughing and getting involved with the movie. Um, another thing that's better in a crowd is a road trip. Now, I had a very, and it was nice for a little bit, maybe five minutes, but I had an eight-hour round trip road trip yesterday um, that it would have been a lot more fun with a whole bunch of people. And I think that's the sick, twisted mind that I have. I would rather be with a bus full of teenagers for eight hours than by myself in a car for eight hours. Um, but it's more fun. It, grabbing your friends and family and going on a road trip, it's a lot better with a crowd. And then a concert. Could you imagine showing up to a concert and being the only one? How frustrating again for the band would that be? You know, and you have your lone lighter app for your phone. You know, it's not going to quite light the room up very well. Um, a very, very important part that is better than, with a crowd is life. No one wants to be lonely. No one wants to be by themselves. As annoying as friends and family can be, it's a lot better with a crowd when you are living life with a lot of people around you. But most important is church. Romans 12, 4 and 5 says, for as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. Church is way better with the crowd. The singing is better. The prayer and praying together, knowing that, that as you pray corporately that you have people praying for you, blows my mind every time. The preaching is better. I don't want to freak you guys out, but you know that I feed off of you guys right now, right? I find the smiley faces, the nodding heads, the amens. It would be pretty weird to preach up here without anyone else in the room. Um, church is so much better. You're living life together. You're serving one another, loving on one another. It's so much better. And I don't understand how people cannot be a part of the church body. I don't know how people get so frustrated with the church that they just don't show up. And I, I mean, I do know why. I've heard many excuses and many reasons, but I can't understand how you can live life without a, a body of believers surrounding you, walking with you through life, no matter the good times or the bad. I realize that there's even some people here that don't want to be here right now. You're here under duress. You're here out of guilt. You're here because mom and dad made you come. Or you know that, you know, you're going to hear it from so-and-so if you don't show up for church. Um, again, it goes back to your heart. Um, you've got to want to show up. We should be excited about showing up for worship, knowing that God is going to move um, and that amazing things are going to happen. But when we show up and we don't want to be here, we have missed out on a ton of things um, going on. And I tell you, you could technically get the same word, hear some of the songs. These guys in the back, Terry Blumen does an awesome job with the video. If you've, I, I want to encourage you to go to the website and check out some of the sermons. I mean, you, there's quality stuff. You could get, sit at home, you know, with lunch, on your couch, and watch TV, and watch our worship service. But it's not the same. It is not the same. You're going to miss out on 
the corporate worship. Worship is not just a private enjoyment. And you're going to miss out on that terribly wonderful, exciting, frightening expectation that God himself just might be in our midst. Like the Holy Spirit promises that he is here when two or three are gathered. How do you miss that? Why would you choose to miss that? Um, there is so much that we do worship-wise that, that God has very much been a part of. And can I tell you, worshiping community is a blast. That's why I told you guys to shake hands this morning. A few more hands. As goofy as that is, and I know it makes some people uncomfortable reaching out and, and shaking hands, but there's a spiritual element to that, and that is simply community and reaching out and knowing that people care about you, even for that moment of shaking your hand. Uh, there is something to that, and I love that part. When we all get together and desire to passionately worship Almighty God is a big wow. How awesome is that? In Psalm 145, it says, Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. One generation will commend your works to another. They will tell of your mighty acts. They will speak of your glorious splendor of your majesty. And I will meditate on your wonderful works. They will tell of the power of your awesome works. And I will proclaim your great deeds. Here is a verse that I think we can continue to do great with. And the, the one phrase, one generation will commend your works to another. There is something to how we worship that the next generation and the generation after that is observing and checking out. And when we don't worship from the depths of our heart, how are they going to learn and see the example of how to worship from the depths of our heart? Even when we're singing, we may not know the song, but are we truly worshiping? Spurgeon has said that praise may be, may said, praise may be said to be great when the song contains great matter. Now, Debbie picks out some amazing songs for us to sing, and John with the praise and worship. But when the hearts producing it are intensely fervent, when the large numbers unite in the grand acclaim, no chorus or hymn is too loud, no band or orchestra is too large, no psalm too lofty for the lauding of the Lord of hosts. There is no greater sound than people worshiping from the depths of their heart. And when we do that right, the next generation sees that. And then they echo that. And they start worshiping that way for the next generation. And we are very good at crossing generations. Our worship kids style that our children do, they have their own worship. Our preschoolers, at, at 9.33, I want you to walk down the preschool wing sometime. I allow you to be late for Sunday school only by a couple of minutes, though. But those preschoolers have a praise and worship time in one of those classrooms, and it is awesome. Our youth do creative worship or creative ministries for them to come and lead out in worship. Across the generations, we have a responsibility to, to show how passionate and how adoring we are of Christ Jesus. And it, it shows in, in our attitude of worship. I had two... A professor and then a high school teacher that stuck out throughout my whole education. Um, I did pretty good with Spanish, even though it's turned to Spanglish now, if you know me. 
But I did pretty good in Spanish in middle school to where when I went as a freshman in high school, I got to take Spanish two instead of Spanish one. Well, this teacher was, from what I heard, the best and the hardest that the, that the school had. But I get in there to class, and this guy could care less. Um, he would give us an assignment, and he would sit there. Sorry, Debbie. I told her I wasn't going to do this, but he would literally just sit there and pick his nose. <laughs> he was so bored with what was going on, he could care less. Now, first service, I used twiddling his thumbs, but... But it, I mean, and that, of course, that turned into a big joke and, and everything, but I got a D in that class. I did terrible because this teacher could care less. Um, as much as, as he had everything around the room talking about Spanish, um, he just did not want to be there. On the flip side, in college, I had a professor, and the class was Old Testament archaeology. And I was a little worried at first. I still have the book, by the way, because this professor was this, I mean, just under Indiana Jones. This guy loved archaeology, loved it so much that I loved the class. I ended up with an A in that class. Um, would I want to go on some archaeological dig right now? Probably not. I would probably be too impatient and break something as I'm digging too fast. But this guy loved it, and he not only just taught it, he lived it. Um, he went on all these archaeological digs, he did these other research papers on top of teaching us. I mean, he was passionate about archaeology. How much more should we be passionate about our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ that not only in worship do our kids and our youth see that, but in our lives? Parents, we have a great responsibility to worship Almighty God in our home and employers and employees to do it in the workplace everywhere that we go. We have a responsibility to worship God like we've never worshiped him before. Not only for our sake, but for the next generation. Um, because it will continue to overflow in, in everything that we do. And our focus on worship is Jesus. He truly is the key. For us, for me to be reminded and pastor all the time, it is right within eyesight, the engraving of Sir, we would see Jesus. There is nothing, like I said at the beginning, that is worth any of this unless we have our focus on the right worship, and that is of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Almighty God, who has provided so much, and the Holy Spirit, who pierces our heart with truth and even takes back to God our groanings within our soul. This is an amazing, an amazing opportunity that we have to worship. Matthew twenty-two thirty-six, But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the greatest command in the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. There is nothing greater than all of our hearts. And when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, it's not just for Sundays. It is every part of our life. And I pray that this morning that I, I hope that everyone in this room knows my Jesus. I hope that everyone in this room has truly accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. 
because if you haven't, you have missed out on all of this. And if you understand that the sin in your life has separated you from God, that there is no other way to bridge that gap between that sin that has separated you from you to God is the cross of Jesus Christ, and that you believe that he has died for your sins and rose again to conquer sin and death for you, if you know that God so loved you that he gave his only son to die on the cross for you and for those sins to be forgiven, then you understand how much God loves you and desperately wants to be in a relationship with you. And I pray for anyone that has not made that decision that this morning is the time that you truly understand what our worship is at First Baptist Church of Waldorf is all about and that you truly understand the love and amazing grace that God has for you. As we enter into our time of worship or invitation, I pray and thank Jesus for this church and for how we do worship pretty good. Um, can it be better? Always. But to know that we love Jesus, and I pray that that goes beyond these walls, um, is an amazing thing. And so as we enter into this time, if God is speaking to your heart and the grace of God has touched you, that if there's a decision that you need to make this morning, please make it.